Hello everyone, my name is Christian. Welcome back to TechPoint today. Our guest is Tom, the CEO and co-founder at Jebit. Hello. Nice to meet you. Excited to be here. <laughs> nice to see you. Please tell us what your company does. Sure. Uh, Jebit is a software company that I started in college about 10 years ago. Um, and it's marketing software that enables marketers to create different types of interactive experiences that enable them to capture data directly from their customers, first party or zero party data. Um, and so the most common example would be a brand uses Jebit to create a quiz for their website that would match consumers to the right products for them. So let's say I love snowboarding and I'm, I have a snowboarding company. I might build a quiz where it's answer five questions and we'll match you to the right snowboard for you. What is a zero party data? So zero party data is a term coined by Forrester. Uh, from my perspective, it's really just a type of first party data, um, but it means data that a customer willingly and explicitly gives you with consent. So if I'm sticking with the example of a website that sells snowboards, um, they would have a lot of first party data of what people click on on the website. They would have the first party data, the transactional data of what snowboards and what gear people actually bought. Um, yeah. But those forms of data, that behavioral data and that transaction data um, are inferred, meaning me as a marketer, I watch you take actions and then I assume things or I infer things about you. Zero party data is an example where you fill out a form or a survey or you do a quiz like I was talking about and the consumer willingly is answering questions and giving you data like how many times a year you snowboard and who you snowboard with and those types of things. Ah, it makes it, it makes total sense. So thank you for explaining. No problem. What did you say is the biggest problem that you solve? I think there's a couple. I think the first is just if you're a marketer, you're really busy and you don't have a lot of resources. And so being able to quickly spin something up that looks beautiful and looks amazing. Uh, you know, one of the things that people all, always say about their Jebit quizzes and other content is, it looks like I paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to an agency to build this from scratch or, you know, paid my engineering team to do it. When in reality, I spent, you know, 30 minutes in the Jebit platform and it's all drag and drop and it's no code. And so, you know, I think the first big problem is just saving time and money to make amazing interactive content that feels really custom. I think the second big problem we solve is around the data. It's around enabling marketers to understand their consumers better and there's a lot of changes happening to privacy legislation and Apple made big changes to, uh, you know, their IDFA tracking and Google's getting rid of third party cookies. And if you're you don't need to be a marketing expert or know what those things are that I just said, the main takeaway is that marketers need to get more data directly from their customers. They need to stop buying data from third party sources for both both because it's now becoming illegal and because that's poor quality data um, and they need to start running campaigns and creating content to get data themselves. Well said, well said. What are the best features? Really the builder. So, I mean, there's different parts of our platform, but, you know, the the thing that is really our bread and butter, you know, we've raised close to $100 million in funding over the last 10 years and where most of that has gone from a product standpoint is in our experience builder, our quiz builder. Um, to be able to create those amazing experiences. And there's so many features it does. There's so many creative features. There's so many like backend logic features. For example, we can ingest your entire product catalog and then help you automatically set the recommendations. So if I answer these questions, I can match to that product, et cetera. I won't take you down a whole boring product roadmap conversation, but that, that experience builder and everything it can do is really the most powerful thing we've built.
Which industries do you currently support? We support all of them. We have customers in every type of vertical. I, I would say, though, the biggest ones for us would be large consumer packaged good brands, um, a lot of retail and e-commerce brands, a lot of sports and entertainment, travel, uh, a lot of the like consumer-facing brands that are reaching millions of customers um, are the biggest ones, but we have financial services companies, insurance companies, B2B companies on the platform, auto brands, like it really, healthcare companies, like it really um, spans a, a lot of verticals because at the end of the day, and this is the exciting part for us in building Jebit, what we're doing isn't specific to one type of vertical. You know, every Absolutely. company, every marketer needs to engage their customers better and get more data from their customers. Absolutely. And what is the pricing for Jebit? Mm. Our pricing scales based on the number of experiences you have live. And we have everything from, uh, you know, we do have a free version that's built for an SMB to be able to sign up for. You could be, you know, two people in a garage starting your snowboard company up to we have Fortune 500 brands that spend millions of dollars a year on the platform. So it, it really scales based on how much content you're going to want to create, what level of features and support you're going to want. Um but for for the first eight years of the company, we were exclusively focused on large global enterprise brands. So we were a very enterprise company. You know, you had to talk to a sales rep in order to engage us. It was expensive to use the platform. Um, and then it was a couple of years ago, we did launch a simplified version of Jebit with way less features. And we launched that free version um, and we launched it through a partnership or through an, an app in the Shopify um, app store. And so since then, we've now had, you know, tens of thousands of small businesses sign up who can use the platform as well. Are you the biggest player in the market? Uh, in, in terms of, you know, dollars raised or employee count and things like that. Yes, um, we're all, you know, we're all private companies, so I don't have all the data on everyone, but um uh, as far as I could tell from just like high level metrics, those public metrics, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess there are two ways of uh, starting. As you said, uh, you started with enterprise, the biggest uh, with the pricing. Uh, you had to contact a salesperson and the other would be to go directly into the product, get a free version and uh, and use it. Why Correct. did you choose the, the first one? Or how do you see the difference between those? Yeah, I mean, there. I think there's... There's obviously two different questions in there. I mean, why we chose the first one was really a decision we made very early on. I was probably only a year out of college and we had maybe a hundred customers and let's say let's say five of them were big enterprise brands and the other ninety five were small. And we just had the very obvious conclusion of wait. We're spending just as much time on all of them, but the big ones are spending ten times as much as the smaller ones, excuse me, why don't we only focus on the big ones? And then, you know, obviously that strategy worked. We, we built the business up, we raised a bunch of money, we, we scaled, but, um, I think I was just coming to this realization, uh, maybe three, four years ago that the way a lot of software buyers are buying is changing. Um, there's a really awesome podcast with the, uh, the HubSpot CEO, um, or their, their original CEO, um, Brian and, and, uh, he was just talking about this. And when I heard him talk about it, it just like, so hit a chord with me of a lot of the pains we were feeling, um, where I literally remember it. We were, we were selling into a large 
Fortune 500 retailer, and we had our champion who wanted to use Jebit, and he couldn't convince all the other people internally that they should sign up for this expensive contract with Jebit. And he called me one day and he was really excited because he had figured out a plan instead of us going through, you know, five more meetings over the next five months to try to convince everyone he was going to build a not as good version of a Jebit quiz, but he was going to build a quiz with one of the SMB competitors we had out there that had a free version. And he said, I'm going to use that. I'm going to launch it. And then I'm going to prove to them why running a quiz is so valuable and why we should sign up for Jebit. And it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks of like, that's awesome. I'm pumped you're doing that. But wait, now you have to go use a different platform to do it. And we should just have that. And so the interesting thing is that we launched our free version. And of course, 98% of the people that sign up work for an SMB because that's just the way the world works. There's way more of them out there than enterprises. But we do get Fortune 500 brands that sign up to the free version. And it is an example like that. It's someone who's not the budget owner, not high enough up in the org, but it's someone who's willing to go learn a platform and get their hands dirty. And so, you know, it's been this really awesome, you know, win-win for us where now the platform is available to different sizes of companies, but also we're providing a different buying journey for different people within these Fortune 500 brands, depending on who they are and how they want to get started. And I think there's also just people out there that are very like roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, and they just don't want to talk to a sales rep. They would just rather figure it all out themselves or at least spend 90% of their time doing that. And then they'll spend 10% of their time calling the sales rep with, you know, uh, a couple details they want to work out with us. That's a fantastic study. <laughs> I love it. Thank you for sharing. No problem. Um, how did you come up with the idea for Jebit? Uh, well, we're on like the fourth iteration of Jebit. Jebit has pivoted multiple times over the years. So uh, like any entrepreneur, like most entrepreneurs, I'd say you talk to that are, are 10 years into a journey, it didn't start that way. But um, I was in college in Boston at the time. I, I thought I was going to go be a doctor. I was a pre-med major and uh, our school had a business plan competition where you could pitch an idea and win $10,000. And freshman year I decided to do that with my roommates who were all in the business school but I told them if we're going to do this we have to start a medical device company so that it's related to my what what my career path was going to be so I wasn't actually doing it to try to start the company for the record I was just doing it to try to win the money and um, you know of course none of the judges took us seriously because none of us were doctors and we had no ability to actually build a medical device um and so, but I came back from my second year of college and I said, now I was hooked on trying to win the competition. And so I told them, uh, all right, we don't have to start a medical device. We can start anything. Let's start something. People would believe we could start more. And so we started a software company and, uh, the first idea was somewhat related to advertising and marketing, but you know, quite different from what we do today. Well, <laughs> how big is your team right now? Hmm. We're about 120 employees. Okay. And you said you raised in total over 100 million? Right around 100 million. Yep. What is, what is your vision for the future? Right now, it's just continuing to scale what we're doing. So, I mean, kind of related to those pivots I talked about, you know, it took us six or seven years to really find our identity and find our product market fit. Um, you know, the story of our funding is like $3 million raised in the first you know, six years and then, you know, 95 million raised or whatever the exact number is over the last four. 
Um, and so it really started to work for us about four years ago. And, um, it's been very exciting to no longer be in that just like discovery phase of trying to figure out what we want to be when we grow up and really just be in execution stage. Um, we know we have, you know, the best product out on the market to do what we do. We hear that feedback from our customers all the time, but we're, you know, just scratching the surface, both in terms of the amount of brands that know about us and use us um, and the ways that they're using us. And a lot of that is because this market for zero party data and interactive content is really just coming into focus now for a lot of brands. And, and a lot of that is related to that, that privacy legislation we talked about in the Apple and Google changes. Yeah. But um, so right now we're just really focused on being heads down and making the product better and working with as many brands as possible and making sure the current brands that are using us are seeing amazing value and want to do more with us. Um, but that's a really fun place to be. I, I, I understand. And apart from uh, releasing a, a free version of the product, what has been your best growth tactic for getting new people? This might sound cliche, but customer referrals, like uh, the marketing world is small and a lot of people talk a lot and a lot of people you know, leave and go to other companies and, um, having people that are already on our platform, whether it's, whether they go to an event with us and they get up on stage and share what they're doing with us and why, or whether they do a, a webinar or podcast with us, or, you know, whether they just write about us on LinkedIn or just tell a friend about us over dinner, like we get so much business through customer referrals. And, um, to me too, that's like one of the most exciting ways to get it right. Cause someone's calling you already, excited to talk to you and not calling from a, a skeptical place of, Oh, my boss told me to check this out, or I don't know if I want this. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're trying to put a lot of focus into the existing community we have because it's a lot of amazing brands who are doing really innovative things on the platform. What has been your biggest challenge since starting the company? Since starting it? Yeah. Oh, definitely the all the pivots and trying to figure out what we were going to be when we grew up. Yeah, I mean it's not it's not fun to be you know grinding over six years and only have a couple million in funding and you're trying to figure out what you're going to be and you know during that time period there were periods where we you know shut down the existing product we were working on and went six months without revenue until we got the next product up and running and things like that. So you know I think keeping the team for most of that time, our company was probably 10 to 15 employees. Um, you know, we weren't super big during that time. Um, but I think just keeping the team energized and motivated and motivated and helping them see the bigger picture and let alone the actual product work of figuring out what should we build. Um, those, those days are definitely where, where the biggest challenges are. I understand. And I love to hear the story. So, uh, more in depth, uh, how you joined college and, uh, all that, uh, all that stuff. So which we, part, like what we were doing? From, yeah. From, from the start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, we started by trying to uh, pay people money to answer a question about an ad they saw, uh, like a video ad. So the, the original idea for Jabit came from, I was watching a TV show in the airport on my laptop on Hulu and I had a 30 second ad come up and my instinctual reaction was to open up a new tab and check Facebook and hit mute while the ad played for 30 seconds. And I just realized, oh, this brand is completely wasting their money trying to reach me. They may as well have thrown that money out the window because I <laughs> didn't watch their ad and didn't even have the volume on. And so, 
you know, today Jabit makes this amazing content that helps a marketer learn more about their customer. And so most of the questions are about you, the consumer. But back then it was, you know, a question to verify you paid attention. So the the original vision that we we won the business plan competition with in college was, you know, you're watching a, a Hulu show and a, a car commercial comes up and we ask you how many miles per gallon are in that car and you type in the answer. And if you get it right, you get paid, you know, 50 cents into your account. But, you know, we were college kids. So we were like, hey, if we can prove you make $10 an hour doing this, we bet millions of people will do it. And we actually were able to prove you could make more than $10 an hour. Um, but the key was we would only charge the brands for correct answers and we would charge them a premium. Um, we never actually launched that integrated with companies like Hulu because we were a bunch of college kids and we had no idea how to integrate with an ad server and make partnerships with the Hulus of the world. Um, but we did launch our own website, jebit.com. And it was only for college students. You had to have a .edu to register. And on our site, we would show you brands and you could engage with them and you could earn money. And students actually earned at a rate of $19 an hour. And we built it up to, we had students from over 4,000 colleges around the country using it. Uh, it, was, it was just US based. Um, and, you know, we had, I think we had like 100,000 users at our peak, something like that. And that's actually the business I raised the first million and a half dollars on was running that. And then my co-founders and I quickly realized that um, it was very incentivized marketing. Uh, there, there were two big problems, but one, the biggest one was it was incentivized marketing. We knew like deep down, even though we could show amazing metrics to the brands of time of engagement and questions answered and all that, we knew that the students were really only there to get their beer money for the weekend. And we knew we weren't forming genuine connections and relationships between the brands and the consumers. Um, so that was the first big problem. And that didn't sit right with us. We didn't ever feel like we'd build, you know, the biggest company we could build if that was the case. If, if it doesn't feel right in our hearts, then like, how can we go dedicate a decade of our life to this and build this? And then the second big problem was more of a tactical one, but it was our marketing team. We were building a marketplace, so we had to get the brands and the consumers. And as a 10-person company with a two-person marketing team, like that was just a big challenge. And so, you know, I went to the, a board meeting at the end of 2013, and I told our brand new investors that had just given us money, you know, we don't think this business is going to scale for these two reasons, and we need to pivot to something different. And my investors listened very patiently and after I finished my, you know, 10 or 15 minute spiel, they said, okay, what should, so what are you proposing we build? And I was a bit naive at the time. And I remember saying, oh, I don't, I haven't figured that out yet. I'm just giving you all the problems of the current business that you just gave a million and a half dollars to. And, uh, you know, thankfully those investors who I'm still very grateful for to this day, um, they said what any good seed stage investor should say. And it's the truth, which is we didn't invest in you guys because of this specific product. We invested in you guys because of the team. And so if you don't think that this is the right product, then great, let's pivot it and let's go figure something else out. But one caveat, we're not going to just go hire 20 more people like we had planned this year. You know, we were planning to go from about 10 to 30 people that year. And they said, let's pause all hiring until you figure out the new product. And we kind of worked out some numbers of, oh, once you once you hit X milestone in revenue, you can hire three people. And once you hit Y milestone, you can hire five and 10, et cetera. And I remember looking at that first number and thinking, oh, we'll hit that in three months. Like, so 
no big deal at all. Like we're basically doing a three month pause of hiring easy. Let's go figure out the new product. Um, and it took us close to three years. I think it was about two and a half years to hit that first revenue milestone. So that entered a really, you know, dark two and a half year period of having no idea what we were going to build and what we were going to be and trying and failing lots of things until eventually, uh, you know, it was probably around late 2015, early 2016, we really started to get the early traction with what we're doing today. This is super helpful. Thank you for uh, the transparency. <laughs> lovely story, lovely story. What's the best piece of advice for a starting founder? Um, I think something related to your perspective and, and your mindset. Like I think at the end of the day, there were so many times that we could have quit and given up, but the thing, you know, I was doing this with, I think I've said this a couple of times, the company was only about 10 people during these years, you know, four of which were some of my best friends from college. The other of which were, you know, people I was starting to get really close to because they were putting so much time into this and becoming friends. And, you know, during all the hard times, like I just kept trying to remind them, like, how lucky are we that, you know, we have millions of dollars in an open blank slate to go build anything we want, you know, like, we, and we could easily look at it as, oh, we're blowing through investor money and we don't have product vision and we don't, we're not doing revenue for this six month period and all of those things. And it's so easy to get really down, but like, I don't think you're going to come up with great ideas and figure great things out in that like negative down, you know, beating yourself up mindset every day. And so, you know, we really tried to focus on what are the wins we're seeing right now, which at that time were few and far between, but it might be a great coffee meeting we had on a Tuesday with a marketer who gave us a new spark of an idea of what we should try to explore building next. And now we're going to go down this rabbit hole exploring if that's valid. It could be little things like that or a really cool prototype one of our engineers whipped up or something like that. But um, I think perspective and gratitude are, or at least for our journey, have been key to, to getting through those hard times. I have one last question for you. What's sure. your favorite SaaS product? Loom. Loom. Why? I use it all the time to communicate with our team. I mean, we were using it, I'm pretty sure we were using it pre-pandemic, if I remember. But uh, definitely during the pandemic when we're all remote, like whether it's our, you know, head of product sending me a product mock-up and we'll go back and forth on Loom or whether it's a message, I'll send Loom to our entire company, I'll send them between our management team, like it's just a, an amazing way to communicate. If you don't know Loom, it's basically you have your face in the bottom corner filming a video, but you can have your screen uh, on camera and it's super easy to use. So, you know, I'll I'll pull up a Salesforce dashboard and talk through what I'm seeing and send it to, you know, our sales team or stuff like that. It's just a, and then people can comment in it, respond. I'm a, I'm a big Loom champion. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to tell us today on the podcast? No, it was great. I enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. I'm super grateful. You did great. <laughs> and thank, thank you, you for the stories. <laughs>